welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, March 21st, otherwise known as Fragrance Day. Why don't we start this episode off, we're all going to go around the table and say what our favorite fragrance is. Hit it, Chris. What's yours? Well, my favorite is, I'm going to say syrup. I love the smell of syrup. <laughs> Maple? No, 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 listen, there's a very important distinguishing thing here it's between smells and fragrance. No, 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 no. keep going with it. Yeah. You, you, well, maple I have syrup a, cologne? Yeah, I have that. Don't let no, them steal your joy. Nail number seven is ever, maple syrup. You ever eat, eat some, some waffles and you accidentally get some syrup on your fingers and maybe, I don't know, 130 rolls around? You go to wipe your face off, you catch a little sniff? You're in heaven. Oh, yeah. That you're might red, not be the syrup. You're red back. <laughs> waffle crisp cereal? Yes, you're, I you, love were that, you in waffle crisp? That was I my all-time favorite. Do you think it's the maple or the burnt sugar? Both. Ooh, yeah. It's that combination. It's you can't separate yeah. them. No. No, we're all talking about good fragrances. I'm going to talk about a bad one oh, that gets too. left on your fingers. And it's not what you're thinking. <laughs> mm. You know those little tooth flosser things? Oh, yeah. Instead of actual floss, it's just a little pick thing. Like a little sword. Yeah, you ever do that? Get whatever gunk is between your teeth on your fingers, and then a couple hours later, you're like, what is that weird plaque smell? Unless what you ate and got out was syrup. Was maple syrup. <laughs> and wow. Then you're delighted. Then you're just delighted for a treat. You fully convinced me <laughs> syrup is the best fragrance that can exist. That's right. I'm not a big fragrance guy. Like, I don't, not a fan of cologne or anything like that. If I think if I was to go, I like the mintier smells, like mm-hmm. a, like a eucalyptus, I think is nice. Oh, yeah, tea tree. Had some tea tree shampoos in my uh, And that hotel. voice you hear is Johnny Brooks, who's joining yes. us from Crafted Workshop. Just Brooks. Hello. Singular. Just Brooks. Singular. <laughs> no E. Or no S. Uh, there is an E. There is an E. Brocks. Yeah. Johnny Brock. <laughs> Johnny Brocks. <laughs> Although I gotta say, I thought about it for a minute. Fresh linen. There's not a better oh, scent in the world than fresh linen. I'm smelling linen. it. I think it's your laundry. I'm Yes, I've got two dryer yes. sheets going on yeah, right cooking. now. Mike's got some fresh linens in the background right now. That's right. We're in California right now, and I'm just going to transition into the yep. fact Did that... Did you say your fragrance? I didn't say I that. packed my clothes this morning, one, and up. none of them were clean. <laughs> do my a fragrance. Dylan, do a fragrance. I have another oh, dislike shit. fragrance. Okay, hit one. Hit one. My dislike fragrance is Chris right now after Brussels sprouts. Hey, come on. Whoa. Let it rip in the uh, ridgeline. But... Good thing those leather <laughs> seats don't hold on to that uh, aroma. My farts don't stink, so we're, we're yeah, cold. Evidently, Chris thinks he doesn't smell. I don't smell. I know... My empirical data. Yes. That they don't smell or that they don't smell bad? They don't Both. smell at all. Wow. Yeah, there's just, just nothing there. Just compressed just air. syrup and puppy laughs. Well, let's figure out how to get out of this line of conversation. <laughs> Alright, what are we doing in California? <laughs> yeah. Well, I live here, but you tell what the rest of us are doing here. What are we doing? We're yeah, collaborating. I don't, I don't, I don't actually know. I guess We're all just I'm, building stuff I'm here right? for a couple of Rockler events. Well, Rockler wanted me to do some events, and I was like, well, why not go to California? Because... You guys are out here, and you know I did a collab with Chris last year, and done a collab with Mike, and they've done a collab with Ben. So, yeah, <laughs> Ben's a lone wolf, <laughs> you know, collab. running his own pace in front of all. Yeah, of so us. we're and, unofficially uh, calling it like the Rockler Retreat. I yeah, guess pretty much. I did some Rockler in stores the weekend before. Yeah, I did two this weekend, which were great. Fun and times. Now we're doing, I guess, one day builds is the theme. So that's right. The idea is kind of all hands on deck. You know, all help each other out and uh, just have fun. And, and it's shop, my basically. favorite kind of collab where we're not all working on one project. Mm-hmm. We're all doing our own projects in parallel next to each other, which I think best way to do co- at least for me. Yeah, best way to do collabs because everyone has their own project, but you still have all the camaraderie. You get the feedback. Yep. Everyone's always more interested in other people's projects than their own after a minute. Uh, so you always are like moving around and seeing how other people do things. And the other thing that I think is cool is that. 
often when I have done collabs, you spend so much time trying to make room for the other person that it compromises some of the efficiency. Yeah. Whereas when you're like doing the project with someone who's doing their own project right next to you, it actually increases the efficiency because you have an extra pair of hands for outfeed, whatever you need, and also you get a ton of uh, time-saving tips. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that if you both have your own project, you don't have two people that are completely invested in a single project yeah. to where decision-making becomes this sort of like yeah. battle between ideas. Or two people waiting on glue to dry. You know, yeah. like there's yeah. so much downtime in woodworking that it's nice to kind of be able to like shift between projects. Yeah, yeah. well, it seems like at least with the two people collabs that I've done in the past, it does turn out where like you both work on this project. Then yeah. you, so you're really like not working any faster. Yeah. I think with this, there's going to be so much going on that we'll, oh, yeah. there's no way we'll get it done if we do that. So we're going to have, we're going to yeah. be forced we're to have to just kind of like jump from one thing to the next and everybody just kind of like go your own ways at sometimes jump in help when needed. And yeah, yeah, I think that's the way it has to be or else we're never going to get it done. So yeah. what are you guys planning on building? Let's go around the table. All right. So I'm, now that the container house is done, I'm trying to do some more accessible DIY projects. So getting back to the basics. And I mean, when I originally created Homemade Modern, that was the idea was to create really affordable things that are cheaper and easier than Ikea, but look halfway decent. So I'm doing some very basic uh, 2x4 and plywood builds. And I think I want to make a dining table with just 2x4 legs and a plywood top, but do it in a way so it doesn't look like the same sort of square boring you know one sort of skirt board that goes around which an anchors in the the straight legs so i'm trying to do a little chris salamone action on the angled table Baby. legs um but do it all with just a circular saw and a speed square nice you know what's weird is i found recently that i'm actually more accurate with a circular saw and a speed square than i am with my miter saw because just because my eye is so yeah. close to yeah. the where the blade is to the pencil mark. Yeah. Um, and the other trick that I learned recently I'll share with the audience is uh, put a little double stick tape on your speed square so Ooh. it doesn't slide. Nice. Mm. And you get it right nice. on that thing and it just like hangs right there. Perfect cuts. Mm, like the puffy? Get some of that puffy tape on there or what? Uh, you no, know, even if you just take some uh, some tape, like if you take duct tape, uh-huh. I prefer Gorilla brand. Who does? And I just take the sticky part and put that on and then pull it off. It'll have enough stick okay. on nice. the on the speed square to keep it from sliding. Nice. Um, and yeah, that works well. Ooh, maybe this is a new Maker Brand product. Some uh, like stick them. Yeah. Like grip tape for left behind adhesive. <laughs> I was about to say, but in reality, it's just really bad spray adhesive. Yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't exactly. actually work as spray adhesive, but it's Very really good yes. to add just yeah. a little bit of tack. Yeah, I like yeah. it. All right, Mike, what are you building? I am doing a coffee table. I am really excited about it. It's going to be a banger. I'm calling it. Man, this you know, video is popping foreshadowing. Yeah, strong. <laughs> I, what's that thing where you just speak it into existence? Uh, the secret? The secret is that what yeah. It is? yeah. Or, or like willing it self, into the world. Yes. Prophecy. Yeah, well, I've visualized quite a bit about this, and I'm, I'm feeling really confident. <laughs> He's got his, uh, his spirit board, his inspiration board. Exactly. <laughs> he said every morning when he wakes up, this yeah. will be a banger. Yes. This Gives will be a banger. On the way out the door. But Mike, to be fair, have you ever not thought that about it? Because every time you've talked about a product, he you always are very optimistic. Banger is a, a very commonly used adjective. Conference table, banger. So what you're saying Steel is... Steel candles, banger. So what you're saying is every video that was a banger, I called it. He did. He willed it to be. <laughs> yep. 100%. I called it. In fairness, he's never had a banger that he didn't say was yeah, going to be exactly. a banger. Exactly. Yeah. So I was walking around Chris's shop whenever we first got there, which I've got to say... 
really killer. Thank You're you. really filling out the space nicely, and I'm totally jealous. Not to mention these jeans. I'm Sorry, green God. with jealous rage. <laughs> <laughs> And I was going through through his lumber pile, and I found a really nice piece of... It looks like it was inch and a half, maybe two inch thick, white oak. Or red. Could be. Could be either. I don't know. Chris was... just say of oak. It's that light red oak. Chris was really confident that if he cut the board, then he would be able to smell it and know what it was. Tomorrow when we take a real cut, I'll I'll tell you exactly what it is right there. Apparently a jigsaw cut just isn't enough. Not enough dust. Okay, I got it. Not enough fragrance. So I'm going to be taking that piece of white oak, which is relatively thick. I'm going to be making a round tabletop out of it. But then I'm taking the Craig... ACS, which is the AccuCut series. Adaptive cutting system. Oh, wow. Nailed <laughs> it. All wrong. All right, let's be Nailed real here, guys. <laughs> Just call it the ACS. I'm newly sponsored by Craig. I'm going to get all this down. <laughs> no, uh, the ACS, the which amazing is... amazing cutting series. The awesome... <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Duh. So the ACS from Craig is a really cool tool, which Chris has used recently on I his did. video. And essentially, it's a track saw cutting system that is really, really great for cutting down sheet goods or any kind of large, just pieces of wood. And so I'm going to use that track saw to make a bunch of relief cuts on the tabletop about an eighth of an inch thick. And for the listeners, uh, I'm sure you guys know that a circular saw blade is right around an eighth of an inch thick. So I'm basically going to make that relief cut and then go over a quarter of an inch, make another relief cut every basically eighth of an inch interval to where there's this really cool texture on the top of the table, although it's still totally functional because those those relief cuts are so close together that you can still put a put a coffee mug on there or put a magazine on there and so it'll look it really nice. Like a series of grooves running through yeah. it? Like a, like a big gnocchi board. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. And oh, you can just boom. Yeah. Exactly. And I love your gnocchi table to plate. Your coffee. Yeah. And I love where you're going with that because I hope to get a CNC in the future and I would love to do the exact same process with a V-carve bit because mm. I think that would look really, oh, yeah. really great. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, exactly. It's the, the gnocchi... Coffee table board. Well, if you wanted that V carve, you could just angle the blade and just have it barely true. neck. Double miter. Oh, that's true. Yeah, just set it at forty. Don't do that. Yeah, that'd be complicated. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, for a one day build, that's yeah. a that's a hard. That's pass. a two day build, my friend. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, y'all are some real salesmen. <laughs> just talk me into and out. Let of me tell you what play. you need. Actually, no. actually, no. Scratch that. What you need is to stick with your original yes. idea. But this is the really cool part about the project, and I still haven't decided on whether I'm going to burn the coffee table blank before doing these relief cuts or I'm going to stain it with India ink. So any listeners out there, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And I actually want to hear your guys' thoughts as we're sitting here. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> have I done mid You will have, yeah. Oh, oh, that's that's right. Right. You'll be flying to Oklahoma. <laughs> You're right. Listeners, forget no, For the but, next table, yeah, yeah, exactly. should have done. So the long story short of it, though, I want the, the coffee table blank to be pitch black, whether that's using an India ink or by burning the wood. And then when I make those relief cuts, it's going to expose fresh, clean wood. And I think that's going to make a really cool, contrasting, just thing and it's going to be really nice. I have my thoughts, but let's hear Let's, let's have hear a little I, do. I think we've got a topic. I think we've all Good. used these products right. in both ways. Right. So, let's talk about how to ebonize or turn wood black. Yeah. There I mean, we go. The show Shugibon is gets a lot of hype. I think one of it is because it has fire, but Yeah. It's cool it's to a, watch it happen. And by the way, 
if you're building a house and want to make the a thick cladding more sort of UV resistant, it's a fantastic yeah. thing, which I think is what it was, was originally developed for. Yeah. It was yeah. a construction Function level design cedar. technique. Right. Um, like Fresler has done that on his house. Oh, yeah. right. It looks awesome. So yeah, it's, like it's, it's interesting to see that migrate into sort of woodworking because from what I've always ex- experienced, it creates a very powdery, mm-hmm. chalky, oh, yeah. dirty soot substance yeah. that then when you clear coat over it, looks like kind of oddly shiny and yeah. glistening, which could be in, could be done in a cool way intentionally. Yeah. Um, but like, why why do you think that has gotten so much interest versus just using like an ink, which you get a really nice, consistent black? I think it's just because it's cool yeah. looking. First off, so for videos, yeah. it's compelling it's, yeah. look. Half speed burning stuff is pretty yeah. sexy. So that's part of it. I think the, the alligator char, like the yeah. texture it can add, is a big part of it too. Um, whereas I think a lot of what we want to do is keep the the texture cleaner and just have it be that kind of ebonized look and still have the clean lines. Mm -hmm. So that's why like India ink or the leather dyes or even I've used black tinted polys lately from Mm. like general finishes makes a black tinted poly that is awesome. And it's basically like it is the opaqueness of paint, but it goes on thin like poly. So then like if you're using something like ash with like that really pronounced grain pattern, you Mm. still get all those nice kind of textures but it is that perfect black surface and not too shiny. All right, so let me bounce this off of you. Uh-huh. You mentioned the alligator texture that you yep. can get if you really burn it, like yeah. if you really yep. get a good char on there. Do you think that's going to be to my detriment or my benefit considering I'm going to be making such detriment. tight relief? Yeah, cuts? I think because so, yeah, so, that's detriment. why I think that's why I immediately said where it was going towards using like the India ink or something yeah. mm-hmm. because of all those relief cuts. Like it's gonna be you're crumbly. basically trip or tripling or quadrupling the surface area by doing that because you have all these grooves that are going in and out and they burn way slower than the rest of it. Like that was the problem that Johnny Lambert, Johnny builds had with his was he had to burn it like way longer than I had to burn my panels for just because of all those scallops. I think he's going to cut it after he burns though. Is that right. It? Oh, so then they're all going to be like color. Burn, burn that. <laughs> just I think with the yeah. amount of burning you'll need to do to yeah. get that sort of alligator pattern, you're gonna. You would have to cut way too deep yeah. because when it doesn't That's get true. that pattern until you've yeah, actually charred the, the surface like at least. A, yeah, yeah, at least an eighth of an inch. Okay, deep. so uh, any time that I've ever done so shugi bond, shu shugi bond, it's a so sh on both of them. Oh, let's, let's, let's listen to all the white people tell how to yeah. pronounce the Japanese word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I took so, Japanese. Don't tell me how to pronounce. I had a Japanese foreign exchange student. Okay, Whoa, bro, Nissan show. I don't want Japanese. <laughs> yeah, Nissan. No, Nissan. Show. Okay. Nice. And so, a while back, I did an American flag where all the the stripes and stars were basically burnt charred yeah. wood, and you it was really cool. The flag. Yeah, but you're supposed you to do it from touching yeah. the ground. All right, all right, all right. All right. Are you all right, Kaepernick? Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> okay, so I can't believe you burned a flag. The reason that I'm bringing this up is I used, I think, just polyurethane, just oil-based poly over top, and that shiny look that you guys were talking about is exactly what happened. Where yeah. I just I didn't love it, but you did simple finish on the table that you built recently. So that one was actually just like a Danish. We just found like the cheapest Danish oil that oh, we okay. could because I, I knew it was going to be like super thirsty and drink it up. So we we're yeah. just like dousing it with it. Okay. And it didn't get shiny and it very much solidified. It yeah. did seal it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So if yeah, you touched like, it, there's no wipe off or anything like that. Like I wouldn't 
put on your best white shirt and lay on it, but like <laughs> See, it's not gonna just come off on your hand or so anything. What I like to do, and the reason I bought some spray finishes, is I like to spray a like satin finish on there. So like satin polyacrylic or something like that, because then it seems to soak into the loose like char and yeah. and, and and make it solid. Well, I could do that too if I had all those fancy tools. Yeah, I mean, freaking well, spray can. Yeah. You, know, you can't yeah. go to buy a spray can. I mean, I'm not talking about HVLP here. I'm talking about, I mean, I was using it. But, but <laughs> I'm saying, about you it. get the same effect with a spray can clear and, oh. it, and it will solidify that char. Cause, because a lot of guys will brush the char after yeah. they burn it, but then you lose that yeah, solid turns, black. It's it turns kind like of a brown. dark brown. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I did the first time I ever did Shushuki Bond. I didn't love the look. Yeah, um, I'm with you. So spraying finish, I really don't like wiping on a finish on Shushuki Bond because it just makes a freaking mess. Right. Yeah. All right. So we've got kind of pros and cons yeah. with the wood burning aspect. Let's let's transition to dyeing. So with with dyeing, I've particularly with oak, I've tried a few things. So I've done the sort of pickling method where you use the steel wool or the iron shavings yeah. in, in vinegar, vinegar yep. and let that sit for a while. I've had some really great uh, color results with white oak. Mm -hmm. I've had some miss hits and misses with red oak yeah sometimes it comes out pretty black and sometimes if there's i don't know, i think it's about the chemical reaction tannins, of the tannins yeah. in the wood sometimes it comes out like kind of a maroon which if 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 you're willing if you're expecting it to be pitch black is disappointing but if yeah. you're just saying i'm expecting to be something dark can actually be pretty cool right um so and uh, but the, the problem i would say that wouldn't be good for that technique is that i found that it gets to get the really nice color it really you really have to apply it thick and it soaks down because it's vinegar yeah so it's like it's it's a very thin uh viscous liquid mm -hmm. or unviscous um, is it thick or thin 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 high viscosity right no low no. viscosity oh dang it <laughs> just viscous so, yes so <laughs> it, 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 it soaks into the wood and i yeah. think it might go <laughs> as deep deeper than what you want to do with your cuts that would actually be my same concern with the india ink versus like an oil based or a thicker sort yeah. of black stain uh, yeah, the leather dye. I don't think leather it dye is too deep. Super does it? thin. I mean, it's so it's alcohol based. Um, so it, it's I feel like it evaporates. Of an inch. The thing is with the leather dye, since it has, since it's basically dissolved in alcohol, I think it evaporates before it can soak too okay. deep. Whereas the India ink is, is in shellac, which is also alcohol based, but I think it it stays wet for a little bit longer, which to me makes it easier to apply because you can get kind of an even, you know, application and then wipe off the excess, but it, yeah. it will probably go a little bit deeper. I think, all right, here's what you do. You vinegar it up, <laughs> wait till the next day, you sew or sew Shoo. or shoogie or sugi bonnet, whatever your choice of letters, then you leather dye it. Yeah. After black. you wire brush it, of course. Or there's this product I've been hearing a lot about, it's called paint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it comes in a lot of different colors. You could thin out paint too. Yeah, I mean, totally. like an oil thinning out an oh, oil-based yeah. paint might be a, another option. Mm -hmm. Ah, you milk paint, milk paint. Yeah, coming in hot. But I, like I, I think you'll be fine with the India ink. Yeah, and India it's also ink. like that's my vote. You can always cut deeper. You'll you'll make the first pass, and either it's going to be black or not black. Yeah, right. and just it's not going to go an eighth of an inch. It's not going to go like a quarter of an inch. You know? Yeah, but like, I'm still trying to picture, or in my head when I look at the table, I'm picturing that the vertical plane of the cut. And that corner where it meets the black oh, yeah, tabletop yeah, yeah. and then perfect. that side, I would really like for that to be clean Shop. as possible. You I don't know? think, I think that the Indian ink will sink more than a sixteenth of an no, inch. No, I agree. Yeah. Especially on hardwood, like especially on like oak, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay. I think it'll be fine. Uh, yeah, especially, oh, the smoother you sand it too, yeah, probably exactly. the, the, the lesser it'll be go closed deep. Up. Okay, so here's a quick question for you. You've got 
you know RIT, R-I-T yeah, sure. dye, RIT like dye. a fabric dye? That's mm-hmm. a brand. You've got that type of dye that I'm interested in trying. Mm-hmm. And then you have India ink and then leather dye. Yep. I know, obviously, fabric it, fabric dye is fabric dye, but between India ink and leather dye, how are they different? So You're the, the one who's used both. Yeah, so the leather dyes I've tried are dissolved in alcohol. That's what um, it is. Okay, and and it. the India ink I have is, is in shellac. That's so it a, actually forms a film finish. So it's a little bit more durable immediately, and then it's really easy because shellac basically accepts any finish on top of it. That's like the beauty. That's why like people use it as a sanding sealer and stuff like that. Right. Is that you can basically put any finish on top of shellac and it's still going to adhere well. So Cool. It's a little bit more durable right out of the, you know, kind of application process. And then you can put on whatever finish, especially if you're going to be wiping it on. It's not going to, like, lift as much as something like the alcohol-based. Okay. Like, uh, I'm hearing well, India ink. I was about to say, yeah, I think I'm, I'm a big India fan. Ink. Yeah. And it's, it's dirt cheap. cheap. Right. Like, like Uniball India ink, like a big old yeah, container, yeah. is, like, $6 or something like that. You get it from, like, Hobby Lobby, Lobby, too, can't yeah, you? Yeah. I, I mean, I get everything on Amazon, basically, but... We have no got time affiliate for that. links in the uh, <laughs> sure in the uh, in the show notes. Have you ever tried like the like the the ebony or the black uh, Rubio monocoat or anything like that? I have that? not, and it's something I want to mess with because the beauty of that is it's all at once. You're oh. you're finishing and staining in one go, and that's what I liked about that black poly. Because right. I built a, a king bed out of ash, and so I had a lot of parts that I needed to stain and finish, and I was like. God, I'm going to have to wipe all these stains on and then go back and add like two or three coats of a clear coat. Whereas that black poly, it was a tinted polyurethane right. and it was all in one process. And aesthetically, I think the thing that's really nice about all the finishes that we're talking about, for, for me, the sort of goal of these things, I mean, with uh, uh, if you're not going for the sort of alligator where yeah. you're actually using the shushugi bond to create a texture, not just a color, right. if you're just going for a black uh, stain, to me, the thinnest one that where you still see the wood grain yeah. really nicely and even feel it a little bit is what really makes it like a really nice yeah. uh, material. Definitely. Right. Awesome. Well, I'm leaning towards yeah. India ink, but I think I might see if I can't pick up some leather dye as mm-hmm. well. And I think I have some. got some. I've got some there. Perfect. Then I'll just do a test piece. Yeah. Look for that on the Instagram story. Boom. Yeah, right? That'll be cool. There we yeah, go. I wish we had looked that. for that. I wish I had some of that black poly. I looked for yeah. it at the, the Rockland around here because it's really cool. They make a white one and a black one. So uh, it's made for like cabinets, mm-hmm. uh, especially interior of cabinets. And it, it applies really easily. And it's just a one one product thing. One and done. You know? Which is really, it's like poly shades or something like that, where it's oh, like stain yeah. and finish in one. You know, not to, so I want to stick on your project, but just to say one other thing. I want to see your idea more, like the base and everything, just to, I'm not 100% sold yet on like all the grooves. I think I need to see it in the context of it. Yeah, so with the grooves, picture a 30 inch, maybe a 36 inch round tabletop, mm-hmm. and those grooves start on one one side of the tabletop, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to cut all these grooves before I cut the circular perimeter. Right. That way I have good reference lines. Uh-huh. And those lines are going to take up about two-thirds of the overall tabletop. Okay. And then the other third of the table is going to be solid flat. Okay, that looks cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I was just picturing like lines going the whole way through. I was like, right. ah, that might be a yeah. little much. Well, I mean, that was the original idea, but it was like yeah. what we were talking last week with like editing yourself. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I didn't even... So how close are those going to be? Is it going to be like eighth-inch cut, eighth-inch solid? Eighth, okay. 
I might even like a sunset fade. I, like that's a, what I was saying. A gradient that could be cool. Like add or an inch of an inch like, on every Almost one. like a racing stripe that was like yeah, twelve inches in wide, kind of off or not in the middle, but like just like yeah. offset to one side, maybe. Yeah. The only problem with the track saw is it's not going to be a blade with a flat kind of uh, end to the to the carbide tips. Right. So yeah, it's going to leave you with feet. that kind of angled. So if you try to do like 12 passes, it's not going to be a super flat. Oh, no, no I wasn't talking about, I was talking about still doing oh, his like oh, eighth on, oh, eighth off, yeah, eighth yeah. on, eighth off, but just like cool. within like a 12 inch segment or yeah. whatever. Or you could do like And it would save you a ton of time. Random diagonals. Like I've seen that done in cool ways too. I, I like that gradient like, idea though. I yeah, I think that so too. You could do that gradient. Add an eighth of an inch every gap and you have this like widening that would be Being cool. I'm not against it. See, this we is should play with that. This, this is, is why I need a CNC. Collabs. We can just <laughs> do four tabletops. Well, yeah. we you've got two X carves in Chris's shop. So. Oh, that's true. <laughs> you got any Your V choice, bits? His and hers. You got any uh, V carve bits? Yes. Uh, yes, I do. Oh man, we might just have to make a gnocchi board. Yeah, bud. <laughs> All right. Well, Johnny Brooke, our the esteemed project. guest. Yes. What are you planning on building while you're here? So, uh, I've been following this Nuge and Wood guy on uh, on Instagram, which I found out was a play on his last name, which I guess is Wynn, like, you know, N-G-U-Y-E-N, and everybody yeah. always called him Nugen oh, growing yeah. up. So it's Nuge, N-U-G-E, and Wood, which I thought was really funny. Anyway, funny guy. But uh, he does these really cool, similar to Pockets Full of Sawdust, or mm-hmm. whatever, yeah, Pockets of Sawdust, whatever it is, um, that power-carved kind of really organic kind of wave pattern yeah. to a top and so the Nugent Wood guy also adds like dowel standoffs and then has a piece of glass on top of it so then it's like an actual usable surface Mm -hmm. Um, so since it's just kind of experimental I'm trying to do it in a day I'm just going to do like an end table size piece actually very similar to the end table that's in our Airbnb (laughs) funny enough like very similar um, which was kind of funny but then I'm going to do kind of a round apron under the top that I think I'm going to do out of Baltic birch plywood probably cut that on the X-carve and then for the actual like leg uprights I'm going to use aluminum flat bar which I think so you're going pretty extra with this oh, part. Yeah. There'll be a lot, lot going like, on. Yeah. This is really like just a big experiment and like kind of having fun. I'm making one of them. Yeah. It's not going to my house. So like, you know, it's kind of a, <laughs> it's going it in like, like a, like a, like a W hotel. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, this is like one of those real experimental pieces that, yeah. you know, I can play around with materials and techniques and so I can not feel guilty commitment. when I have to throw it away. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure Joe last night so when Chris and I we spent like a week building a bed that had no home. It, it found like, a home. <laughs> it did. It found a home. But Where did we it end built up going? it. Uh, my Del- one of Dolores's friends. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Yeah. But it was hilarious because we like finished building it and finished doing like Randy. the the thumbnails. <laughs> yeah. The old, good old Randy. <laughs> we did the thumb- Brandy. <laughs> yeah, Brandy. It's, that bed's getting a lot of use. Randy yeah. and Brandy getting worn out. Couple. Brandy and Misty are putting it to good use. Well, yeah, we did the thumbnail and took it apart and it's like alright I guess we'll throw it away now now what <laughs> so yeah. like, yeah. yes, it's, it's going in the garbage <laughs> I really don't need a bed because that's like one to North the weird thing is like even though a lot of us are making nice stuff it's like we always need that next piece so yeah. that's why I love that we just moved because now we've got all these oh, different furniture needs yeah man let's talk about a that new a little house. bit yeah let's talk about that a little bit yeah so you know my wife and I live in Asheville North Carolina I can obviously work anywhere, and our previous house was 45 miles from her work. 
also had terrible internet, like uh, less than one megabyte per second upload. Like 1995. Yes. Like Mike knows. Mike man. lived or stayed at my house for a week and uh, still watching, uploading watching time. YouTube videos on 240p. Jeez, man. <laughs> Jeez, it was terrible. Uh, my online gaming career really suffered during that time. Flag, so, baby. Yeah. So you had a pretty cool setup there. Oh though, yeah, because shop was awesome. Yeah, because where you're at, basements are super common, yeah. which is not similar to Oklahoma City. Yeah, and so the whole basement layer yeah. was your office slash game room slash yeah. theater room and then and that then led into the garage which was the shop yeah which was set up really dope. oh it was that was the reason i got into woodworking is because when we moved to that house had this immense garage space it's about 1100 square feet Jeez. and then had all this you know we moved from a thousand square foot apartment to a 2700 square foot house so yeah. like lots of room that needed furniture you know exactly so it uh and so it worked out great. And so you just bought a new house. Yep. And you're looking at going into a commercial space, house. which we'll talk about later. Did I say boss? <laughs> no, you said new. It always makes me laugh because people never say they bought a new car if they bought yeah, a used yeah. car. Oh, yeah. Like, it, was it was a used house. It was certified pre owned. Yeah. Your house was certified pre owned. Still zero miles on it. Which is a funny distinguish, the it distinction in, in house buying versus car buying. And so in this one, you're getting a commercial space, yep. which talk about that in a minute. But right now, are you taking a lot of the furniture that you've already built with you? What are you doing oh, yeah, with yeah, all yeah. the stuff? Yeah, yeah. So, like, pretty much everything. I built is going in a new place because it's got a similar uh, like overall layout, I guess. Mm-hmm. But most of the like the den and the kitchen are on like the the ground level, and then the bedrooms are in the upper level. What was a bummer is that my Murphy bed did not fit upstairs. No. Yeah. So. Like the distance between like the steps and the ceiling were exactly the distance of the width of the cabinet. Wow. So like it might have theoretically like been able to push through, but there was like no clearance and it was like nine o'clock at night and I'm like, it's not worth it. So put it on the street. I'm pretty much going to have to find somebody to take this Murphy bed home. Can it get out of the door? Uh, It'll go through a doorway, yeah. Perfect. All right. That's the weird thing about the Murphy bed is it's like a cabinet that you glue and screw together. Like, there's no taking it apart. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's just, just like a monolithic piece of furniture. Let me ask you a question about the Murphy bed. Yeah. It was like a guest bedroom kind yeah. of office thing. So it was where my photo wall was. Gotcha. So it was like in a basement. It was where you stayed in the basement guest bedroom. Yep. It literally shares a door with my shop. Mm-hmm. So in the 90% of the time we didn't have guests, the Murphy bed was folded up and I had... Nice laminate flooring, gray wall, and that's where I did all my thumbnails and like intro, outro. So I only built it because I wanted that floor space the 90% of the time there weren't guests there. Right. And they are like surprisingly useful, you know, because they're great for a guest bedroom. Yeah. Terrible in every other situation. I totally agree. And not for everyday use. No. Well, and like the weird thing is like you can't have a nightstand. Right. Because it's just solid walls. So it's like this really awkward, like, where do I put my phone kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So there are some weird usability things. But, yeah, for a guest bedroom, especially if, like, you wanted to share that space and, like, have a little office there. Like, there's some really cool, like, swing down desks that right. when you swing up the Murphy bed, the desk kind mm. of goes from, like, the yeah. foot of the bed. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. It's kind of some pretty cool stuff. I can tell Chris is picturing that, but as the nightstands. Well, like I, had full, out of the I had full I was down thinking about that. Yeah, I yeah. was I had, thinking I about tell, man, your light bulb yeah. was going off. And I, that's what I did. I had, like, these collapsible shelf brackets. The ones you use for your outdoor area, Yeah, I used those for the nightstands because I could get them out of the way when I was doing my photos. Totally. Yeah. Um, 
but it was great for like a modular space, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was kind of a bummer, but yeah, moving in a new house, it's like, all right, we need a new little small, like round dining table for the kitchen area. And like, I want to build a, a sweet modern ping pong table as our big dining table. And, oh, oh yeah. modern ping yeah. pong yeah. table. That's, oh, yeah. that's an interesting oh, yeah. topic. I, I think uh, they're, they're, they're primed. Are you doing it as like a, a half fold down the middle, or are you gonna do like a quarter? Still up? debating because like the sauce in invisible like hinges are great for that like kind of invisible fold thing, and you mm-hmm. can fold up. That's what like Bob when he did his ping pong table here recently, he used right. the yeah. sauce hinges. But I'm thinking like solid walnut top with like a maple stripe down the center to to do like mm-hmm. the you know four quadrants or whatever, right. and then. Like there's this uh, Woolsey, Sean Woolsey, I think is his name. He, they they have their own kind of furniture line, and I think what they cater to is these people who need big conference tables, and then Those they can people. also like double as like kind of a you know startup game room type of thing. So it's like a <laughs> it's a plasma cut white powder coated net that's like super clean looking, and it's all solid walnut with. The like white powder coated steel legs that splay out and I know exactly interconnect what you're with the about. walnut leg. You know, yes. it's like the sleeved Jory Brigham kind of look. If the net wasn't there, it would just look like it just a looks really like an good awesome table. table. Yeah. And so that's what like the proportions of the ping pong table are terrible for a dining table because it's five so by nine. Wide. It's way really too big. But what I'm going to do, and I looked up like ping pong regulations and stuff. Like as long as you scale it down proportionally it still works fine as far as like playability. Um, so if it's like four foot by like whatever seven and a quarter or whatever it ends up working out to still fine for a ping pong table and, and more usable as a dining table. And for my architecture firm, we designed like a game room, um, where you described the modularity challenge, especially going from dining table to that. And we did it where it's like reversible because you know, the, uh, the the people we were designing it for they wanted it to be MDF, but they also wanted a hard tabletop. So MDF has a certain bounce quality for sure. the, for the ping pong ball that like a hard plywood wouldn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the ball would bounce too high. Yeah, um, so we made it so it's sort of a swivel top. <laughs> oh, um, nice. But uh, we couldn't get the modularity right to make it useful when it was compressed. It was either this weird kind of two squat you know kind of fat of a table or this long skinny you know 30 inch wide table mm-hmm. um so what we did is we made it basically come across into four separate pieces um and uh they could use them and then the tops flipped and they could use it as like four separate like art desks and stuff like that or they could rotate them and then stack them the other way so oh, okay. it's like the yeah. yeah the you know the the four and a half wide yeah yeah it's pretty cool to see what some of these like businesses are able to do with modular pieces. Like I know I built a conference table early on that it's split down the center. And so it could be rolled up against two walls in this kind of long rectangular Mm. room and be like double wide desk spaces. Right. And so I had like two separate welded bases and two separate like walnut tops that then could latch together and And become this like, you know, transformer Optimus prime conference table thing when you needed it, because most companies don't use their conference table like every day, all day. We conference know? really hard in my line of work. Yeah, I mean, oh, really? I, we did conference too. Conference call. No, but, I'm kidding. Well, it was a lot of wasted time. I mean, that, that was, I feel like... That's what meetings are for. But I think yeah. that's really interesting, because like, the whole idea of a big group work table yeah. is super popular, but yeah. I don't know about you guys, but 
I don't want to just have to stare at other people Me if neither. I'm typing on my computer all no. day. And I love that idea of being able to split in half and go against the wall. So everyone can stare at the wall instead yep. of staring at each other. Yeah, yeah we're staring at back. Two space. people working together on a project, it's not like you're interrupting each other being at one big table. Yeah. Um, and then, like the whole thing was on casters. Like it was, it was super easy to move. And, uh, How'd yeah. you get them to link together? So I used uh, like the little like like under table clips that they use like on extension tables and right. things like that. And so I didn't use any alignment pins. I probably should have. This was like my second ever commission piece, and like mm. I really had no idea what I was doing, frankly. But uh, is it still holding? Hopefully, up? the client's not listening. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard, heard anything. anything. So <laughs> no news is good. My, not my best welds, and uh, you know, it, it was my first breadboard ends. Yeah, and I was pretty proud of those. Well, Still haven't done any. Okay, so let's run it back to the project that you're doing yeah, while yeah. we're doing this collab. Sure. You're power carving. Power carving with the standoff, so you got the glass top, so you yeah. can actually put stuff on it, and then doing the Baltic birch rings as kind of the apron around this circular tabletop, and then probably some aluminum kind of leg things that connect to another Baltic birch ring at the bottom. I'm still. The Baltic birch is the thing at this point that I'm like questioning because mm -hmm. I think I could just basically screw the aluminum right to the side of the power carved piece yeah. and then go to some other maybe piece of blackened oak for the bottom. And you ring. just freehand the power carving? Yeah, I, 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 like, I'll like, probably draw out some lines gotcha. to get an idea. I mean, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. Um, but we're going to use, I guess, the turbo plane for the mm -hmm. bulk of it, and then we got the little contour sander, which also hooks on the angle grinder. To, to kind of sand it in. So it's kind of cool. I've never done any like really, really organic carving like this. The only time I've used the power, like the, the turbo plane was to do like just a round stool that had like a very kind of like the, even uniform kind of carved seat to it. You so, know what I've always wanted to use a turbo plane for is like getting like a really big like honey baked ham. <laughs> Here you go, guys. Open up. Like, it. Right, because I, I was at the, the deli the other day and I was like, you know, they're asking like how thick do you want the meat cut and I was like going oh thinner thinner and it's like the guy was kind of annoyed because it like takes more time the thinner you go and he's like right. pushing that thing back and forth and I was looking and I was like man I bet you the turbo plane <laughs> she wants some ham confetti baby <laughs> what you want such thin pieces of meat for you just have to set, you have to set up like no a for the flavor to have. and if you just set up like a you know, nice clean area. turbo plane just hit it. You would just make a nice pile of like shredded ham, and it would, would. just be nice little thin slice, like yeah. little pieces. Little shaving, I'm telling you, man. Soak it in that would be a delicious sandwich. Ham Talk about your, carving uh, a ham. Yeah, yeah it would be like a, like a ham, ham. sloppy yeah. joe. Totally. I think there's a viral video there somewhere. All right, so I'm going to bring it back to the topic. I've done – so I wasn't familiar with – who is it that you're talking about? That uh, was Nuge, Nudge and yeah. Wood. Nudge Go check and them out. N-U-G-E. A-N-D-W-O-O-D. I was not super familiar with him, but I was familiar with Sam Ackford or Akeford, Pockets mm. Full of Sawdust, yes. which is his Instagram. Yeah, another great – it's this very organic kind of contoured carving thing. And it's really cool. And yeah. I kind of had a similar idea in that, like I wanted to give it a shot. And so I just took a 2 by 12 Douglas fir piece, mm -hmm. and I did exactly what you're talking about. Just kind of freehand draw a little bit of an idea of where the waves are going just so you have a guideline. And I was really, really surprised at the the depth of any tear out that I got. Even mm -hmm. though I was using pine, it, I had a little bit of chip out and I had a little bit of tear out, but it wasn't anything that I don't think you're going to have issues yeah. with having that power sander. Oh yeah, um, that's why I bought it. <laughs> but you're using oak, right? Which has got a really kind of fibrous grain. I am, but what I've found, I've only used the turbo plane probably twice. It really matters what 
direction you're going in regards to the grain. Okay. So it seems like it works really well when you're going across the grain, which mm. seems like to me that doesn't make sense for whatever reason. Because like most woodworking stuff, you want to go with the grain. But if you're perpendicular to the grain, it is crazy smooth. Awesome. Like like sand at one eighty smooth. You know that kind of makes yeah. sense because you're like cutting yeah the grain rather than like pulling yeah pulling the fibers. fibers out. Yeah. Oh, so if you go perpendicular sense. to the grain, the thing you gotta then clean up with the sander is like any like little scalloped marks from where you're just not good enough with the carving. You know. Yeah. Like if you were really just you know a, a freaking Turbo plane master, you could probably really carve that nicely, but yeah. again, this is all new, and that's why I want to do like a little 15 inch end table, and then right. then move up to like a coffee table, and then also I want to mess with the X carve and do it digitally and come up with a ripple infusion. My, my one tip for using the turbo plane for carving would be create a forearm rest so uh-huh. that you can. Have, so you can rest your arms against something. It'll give you more control of oh, yeah. depth yeah. versus like just freehanding it, where you're where you got your elbows turned out and kind of flared yeah. out, and you're just relying on shoulders to mm. impact the depth. If you have a place where you can like rest your forearms, you can really control with your wrists like yeah. how you like gouge and scoop the top. That, makes that, sense. that was actually like the big tip that Eric from Cutworks gave me when he was teaching me how to weld the other day was mm. like, oh yeah, position yourself like. Get comfortable, yes, and right. then start. Like, don't try the to like become a blob against yes. something, yeah, yes. and then engage your muscles. Definitely, yeah. Like having arms extended or anything like that is a nightmare. Yeah. Like trying to free float and weld is, I mean, it's going to end badly. I've got one last tip. Yeah. Whenever you're drawing things, mark your peaks, mm. not your valleys. That makes Ooh. sense. Because once you start carving it away, <laughs> your lines no. are gone. True. That was Smart a quick off. mistake I learned. <laughs> so one other thing, I've watched the Nugent Wood. The videos he's posted, he uses the chainsaw disc uh, from, oh, the Lancelot. from Lancelot from yeah, King Arthur. That thing Arthur. scares the shit out of Dude, it. Dude, looks they terrifying. Off, they got to knock off that Harbor Freight. You want to go pick that, it up? Yeah, let's definitely Here's do that. Let's, let's take off the guard. I'll wear no iron or face protection. <laughs> and that was my first power carving project or like I first angle grinder project really was using the Lancelot disc because yeah. I didn't know about the... And it was, I think it was a lot cheaper than the, the yeah. Arbortech ones. The turbo plane, yeah. Uh, and, but every time I turned it on, you hear just like... <laughs> As like the chains all get into position yeah. and like, oh man, that thing scares scares me. Well, he uses the the angle angle grinder almost vertically, yeah. so he like holds it like this, and mm. he's like using it in this weird orientation right. because like, you don't carve it's, sideways. It's almost like the way like Izzy Swan uses like a circular saw blade yeah. to like carve out things or yes. scoop things out. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a very different, you know, kind of. Whatever, uh, what the word I'm looking for, mechanics than right. than the turbo plane. Uh, yeah. I guess in that respect, you do get a little bit more contour to your yes. cutting surface. So well, I guess I you go deep out. Of, yeah, exactly. That's, like he's gluing up double layers of like eight quarter material. Yeah. So he's at like three inches, plus yeah. inches, <clears throat> which that's pretty dang thick. Dang thick. Pretty dang about. thick. Well, I'm excited to see how that's it comes what we're out. working on, Chris. What you got, bud? I am also doing a side table. We got a full <laughs> set here. Yeah, full yeah. We got a coffee room, table, two side set. tables. Somebody just needs to build a Somebody sofa. Somebody send us a couch or a sofa table. Boom. Yeah, Boom. yeah. <laughs> just nothing to go in front of it. But yeah. now no all you need is a sofa. Um, so mine started off as I'm going to butcher a name too, like Mike here for a product. Corner. Dowel, no. Cor- oh yeah, corner key dowling jig. Corner key dowling jig. This- Another Rockler innovation. Wait, are yeah. you saying corner key 
Yep. Cowling. That's yeah. two words. Corner key. Those are two. Yeah, not corner key. Because you're putting a key in the corner. So basically, yeah. it's, it's like a, a jig that the corner. Corner key sounds like an upstate New York small yeah. town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just outside of Syracuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so a great chili there. Yeah. I heard. <laughs> Picture you're making a box. You've beveled your edges. You're making like a mitered box. Then you would put this jig on it. You would drill. I like chili. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Couple inches of snow on the ground in Cornicky. Sorry, Tris. As I was saying, kids are Cornicky Elementary. Cornicky. It's a Cornickish wine. Yes. Uh, anyway, so yeah, you would. You have it. it it's kind of like a spline. Yeah. So it's but it's a dowel instead, right? Yeah. So that's where the idea started. Then. Johnny had the idea of what about if you used brass rods as yeah. dowels, and I said, you know what, that sounds pretty good. Brass and I realized I forgot to buy five minute epoxy. Oh, we were at the store. Done we making it. See, there you go. Second <laughs> run to the deeps already. Yeah. Um, anyhow, you going with the gorilla? Yeah. Yeah. Five minute epoxy. Oh, yeah, is there any other kind? Another gorilla innovation. <laughs> Another gor- it dries really clear. Yeah. Gorillavation. Yeah. <laughs> yes, gorillavation. Um, so that's where the idea started. Just do like a basic, very normal four eyes looking kind of side uh-huh. table or whatever mm-hmm. but then I kind of wanted to run oh by the way and I couldn't find brass so now it's aluminum now it's aluminium yeah. not quite as good probably paired actually, with walnut no, no, I, I like silver and walnut oh yeah, it's like a nice yeah. Color. or maple and, and it sands better too oh yeah I also like Maybe. that we're able to distill down what a four eyes looking thing is now Easy. to splay yeah. legs oh yeah <laughs> like yeah. it just keeps well, getting simpler and simpler just picture like if I was going to make a very generic, the type of side table that I would make, it's that. Yeah. But then I'm going to cut the box in half, essentially. So now you have two U-shapes, top and bottom, and then make it float apart about an inch and have like five of the aluminum dowels going down either side to connect them. Exploded. So they're floating apart. Exploded. And then build the kind of base you would picture me building, like what's on Bad Larry. But then also have it standing off about an inch from that. Explode. I, I want to see like a video of you where there. it's like you're looking at like a computer screen and on it's like a animation and the, it's a it's a leg starting from like 90 degrees and then slowly going towards 45 and at what point do you like four eyes there it is another four eyes and right. I can tell you it's 15 degrees yeah. 15 yeah. and 30 Chris is like getting to five degrees he's like I'm a little uncomfortable right now not far quite too splayed enough yeah I was, right. uh, so do you think there's like so if that's an aesthetic that you gravitate towards, yeah. is it really about the angle of the legs or is it just like your sort of aversion to doing things that are straight? Because uh, like, okay, so here's an example, right? If you were to do like an art deco thing yeah. where it's more like it's not, nothing's at an angle, it's all perpendicular, mm-hmm. but they kind of built up like a cascading mm-hmm. set yeah, of yeah, yeah, pieces. Yeah. Would you like the same sort of pieces cascading at 15 degrees too? I don't. I think it like goes back to the root of like when I first got into it, that was like the kind of furniture that was really inspiring me. So it's like just ingrained into me for some reason. And like, I can remember designing that first coffee table that I built the spider one. And like, it just looked actiony to me. Like it looked like there was just like a lot of movement going on, even you know, obviously it's just standing there. And I don't know, for whatever reason that just like really stuck with me. And, I remember in the beginning, like wanting to go like super extreme. Like I would like try to take the angle as far as I could. And then I kind of was like, okay, now I think I'm doing it just to do it. Like I thought like, Oh, if an angle is good, then an even steeper, steeper angle is better. But 
I've kind of edited myself. You were becoming back. a parody of yourself. Yeah, then you just get horizontal eight legs. Eyes. Just yes. horizontal. I've done that table. Just stack shit up. Hundred eighty yeah. degree legs, legs. Opposing magnets floating <laughs> above. Yeah. So I, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I just. I gravitate towards that. I mean, I think it's, I mean, Danish modern. If you go back and look yeah. at like all of those designers, they all did that. It yeah. was part of that style. I Works. love the irony of the situation is for most people, you want to push them to introduce more angles. Yeah. But the challenge for Chris is everything has to be a right angle. Dude. The f- I would like to see that project. I mean, I've got, I've definitely got. Assembly table. Yeah, there you go. No, <laughs> something a with couple legs, of them were about 89. Something <laughs> <laughs> Like, not to where it's just a case that rests on the ground. Right, right, something right. with legs. Well, no, it's, it's something where you assembly. make the table itself, like the underside of the table or the bulk of the table at an angle, and then the legs are straight. Oh, man. That <laughs> so would, it's still about the, 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 you know, so it might be that you make like a triangle where the flat face is facing up, and then the legs go straight down from there. So that would be interesting because, like, on first thought, like, it just sounds backwards and ugly, but it would be an interesting challenge to, like, Okay, take that idea and make it good looking. Make it work. Right. Yeah. Like you're basically Tim inverting Gunn. your assumptions. The yeah. assumption is is that it's not so much the the angle of the of the legs to the floor, it's the angle of the legs relative to the tabletop. Yep. But then you invert that. Well, like Zach from ZH Fabrications did a, a stool and he turned it and it and the seat was a cone. It was a okay. solid walnut cone. If you did the other way, it would be really uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Not for you. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat, man. You know? You're not going to fall off. You're into that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Very secure. Um, but then he had just like a normal kind of base underneath it. So like okay. he got the angles out of the way in the, the actual yeah, 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 main yeah. part of it. Right. Sort of like the yeah. iceberg kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Yeah, like was the base tapering out the other way so it was like kind of hourglassy or? I'm trying to remember I think it was like a swivel I can't remember but uh, I, I don't think it did I think the rest of it was okay. pretty much straight Zach Fabrications check yeah. it out Zach yeah confirm Go. or deny yeah. what the angle of the bottom was exactly sick well what have you guys been obsessed with lately since we have a fourth which is Johnny who is JB. our honorary fourth I am the fourth you are the fourth oh, yeah. kind of funny the unspoken yeah. fourth IV baby through and through <laughs> he's on every one of our Google Hangouts while we record oh, yeah. we just have him on I just hang out in the back <laughs> no but <laughs> making since, drinks yeah since you are our guest for the episode what is your obsession what have you been watching what have you been looking at so, uh, Winter Garden, you guys follow him, he, he did the Marble Machine. The yeah, I don't follow him closely, but yeah, the Marble Machine was insane. Insane, and so like he's rebuilding it, and uh, so if you guys don't follow him, it's Winter, you know, like normal spelling Winter, and then G-A-T-A-N. Um, he's over in France, I think he's a guy from the Netherlands, but he's in France for whatever reason, but they're rebuilding it, so they've re-engineered this thing from the ground up, and... So in case you never saw the marble machine video, it was this crazy like hand crank machine that dropped marbles onto, they had like a bass and a couple drums and uh, I guess, was that it? A guitar maybe? Yeah, some strings. Some sort yeah. of keyboard type of thing. But makes incredible music and is this really analog kind of hand crank type instrument anyway but it's to full human scale yeah, like the machine like itself massive, is like seven than the feet dude tall is, yeah. yeah it's if you really haven't seen cool. it go watch it just search yeah marble machine. marble machine it got like like 40 million views or something one of those ridiculously viral videos but anyway they're rebuilding it and he does weekly videos showing mm. like every little part being built and all of the kind of problems he's having with it but anyway this last week um 
there's this guy Rainfall Projects that makes yeah. these awesome videos. Uh, he's a kind of kind of Salomone style, very uh, kind of guy. Slow paced and lots of like room for you know like shots, like uh, establishing shots and things mm-hmm. like that. But anyway, I got to go hang out with him, Justin. Uh, Couple summers ago, and is he local to you? No, he's in Oregon. I was oh, up okay. there visiting. He's like northern, yeah, he's northwest. like farmer in Oregon. And so anyway, the Winter Garden people reached out to him about helping build a piece for the Marble Machine, um, which has been a cool part of that project. They've had other YouTube people help them build all of the little ins and outs. So definitely go check out both Winter Garden and Rainfall Projects. Big, nice. big fan of both of their channels. So, Is there like an ETA on when the new Marble Machine is supposed to be complete? I don't know, because it seems like he keeps getting closer and closer, but I don't really know. But the plan is to go on like a world tour. Whoa. Um, so he's got all these what are called programming plates, and it's it's the things that dictate what song is playing. Yeah. So imagine like almost like a player piano where you load on a new sheet of paper with all the little holes punched. It's the same thing, but it's these big sheets of like acrylic type material that they can change out on the fly during a set. And then that's what's determining where yeah. the marbles are going. Exactly. Wow. It's it's incredible. Uh, yeah, I'm especially as like a that's musician insane. and a maker, it's like one of those things that appeals to me in a big way. It's a beautiful fusion. Yeah, it's and, on and every level. his music is awesome. Yeah. like like I have all of his albums in my library and very celebrate the entire catalog. Yeah, pretty much. So awesome, Chris. Stuff. What about you? We'll just go round circle this thing. I'm gonna shout out another Johnny who makes things. Johnny builds. Yeah. Yeah. He just put out a, a desk that he built himself like a yeah. dream desk. I thought that was one of his best videos that, that he's made. And he used India ink on it. He did. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yep. Problem solved yep. and a CNC. Yep. Oh, actually before you continue, that is and actually wood glue. And wood glue. Wow. So much so in common. Many parallels. I think he's a table saw in that video. <laughs> wow. And I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I remember in that video, so the long story short of it, he does an epoxy inlay on it, which I think yeah. you're going to talk about. But after he did the epoxy inlay, he sanded the epoxy flush with the tabletop, and yeah. he sanded through the India ink. Yeah. So oh, right. yeah. So there you go. Boom. Doesn't Super go Super thin. Yes. Okay, Chris, now take yeah. it away. So well, he, that was maple. Very closed grained. But... Oh, I neither here nor there for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was it was really like the video itself. The video itself was very good, as was the project. Um, it was funny. Like I was talking to him when he was getting ready to put it out. He was having trouble. Like, what should I show in the thumbnail? How should I title this thing? Because it was like, if you really look at what it is, it's like sitting, standing epoxy with uh, LED cable inlay, cable management, monitor stand, monitor, SD like, card storage. Yeah, it was like... It's the dream desk. Would you say it's yeah. ultimate? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like desk. Every, definitely ultimate. I think he actually ended up calling it like the everything yeah. desk. Yeah, oh, yeah. DIY, DIY dream, dream everything desk, desk or everything. something. Yeah. yeah, it was like one of those where I was like, maybe just choose like two things to focus <laughs> on because if you try to do all of it, it's just like Well, he could have milked that into like almost a couple of videos. Like he could have done a monitor stand by itself. Yeah, he could have. It's know? funny, he kept saying like, the, the number one question that he gets is like, well, how are you going to get the monitor out? Because I don't know if you saw the way that yeah, he built it. Yeah, it's recessed where, in. Yeah, it's like recessed in. He's like, well... Just I'll slides just, in, I think. No, no, no. He built it where it's like oh, wedged really? in there. But he's like, he's like, I didn't want it to... Like, the chances of it tipping out. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you know, I'm going to have it this way for years if I ever need to take it out. It's just that little top part. So he could basically just like break that thing apart and get the monitor out. But it was funny. Like, <laughs> people were funny. very concerned about... 
him trapping his monitor in that and wood movement. Hate a, hate a trap monitor. Yeah. Yeah, I still I, I think that that was a really good video. In fact, oh, yeah. after I watched it, I sent him a text saying like your voiceover, everything yeah. on that was it was crisp. a great edit. He did a great job editing it. And, and dude, the freaking glamour shots yeah. were like money. The slider, like him walking up to the desk and using it, shots were well. What nice. I think what I think is really funny is that's like a whole category of YouTube videos, oh, which are yeah. desk and well, that's your friend, right? The yeah, the yeah. TLD guy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, they do a whole Dream Dust yeah. series. Yeah, when it and a lot of times they go really heavy on the equipment and the tech yeah, it's and usually more the specs, the all of that kind of stuff. But it's really cool seeing it from the opposite perspective yeah. of saying, you know, these are the requirements mm-hmm. from like a tech and equipment standpoint. This is the thought process of yeah. how I built it. So it was a really cool kind of inverse way of looking at things. And I really hope the video does well because it was a banger. I agree. It is. Banger. Banger. Hot certified. Hot day. Certified banger. Oh, man. We do have... you got to get stickers. Certified banger. Certified <laughs> banger. Slapping <laughs> on everything. All right. We know what we know what we're going to do for the next time for stickers for podcast reviews. It's yeah. going to say certified right banger. banger. So mine is the artist uh, Rafael Lozano Hemmer. And he has an exhibition called Pulse, which I saw when I was in Washington, oh, yeah. D.C. at the Hirshhorn Museum. And it was a pretty simple concept, but it was basically letting you visualize your own heartbeat in a very dramatic way. So it was a series of exhibitions. Uh, one of the first ones, the most dramatic one, is this giant room, and it's all pitch black. And there's a whole bunch of incandescent light bulbs hanging in a grid from the ceiling, just thousands of them. And as you come in, you can barely see where you're walking because it's so dim and the lights are really low. And you grab onto these two handles, which have a heart rate monitor in it. And then after a while, all of a sudden the lights start pulsing relative to your heartbeat. Really Mm. cool. And what's weird is when you can see it, you can kind of actually control your heartbeat a little bit once you can visualize it. Right, because once you start getting excited by Uh the fact that it's working, it's just going to amp itself up. Right, so when you have that sort of feedback, you can... You can control something that you otherwise were totally not thinking about. Really cool. Another one along the same theory or the same idea was a similar sort of mechanism where you uh, put your hands on something and it's feeling your your heart rate through that. But this time it's uh, sending waves through a pool that a projector is shooting through. And then all the light on the walls then have a ripple that's based on the, the disruptions of the water from the wave machine Whoa. that's also linked to your heart rate. Wow. So it's like you see all the walls around you. You're completely immersed by <laughs> walls that are vibrating at the same rate of your heart, which also you get this weird kind of like freak out synchronicity of yeah. everything around you. I wonder if, I don't know if like they've tested or if anybody has, but if there would be a way where like, so you start off, you grab onto these things and it syncs to what you're doing but then if it started like trying to move your heart rate a certain way, yeah. would your body like maybe start following? Oh, I, mean, I think at that yeah. point, a lot of it is psychological, you know, because yeah. if you're like, not actively like exercising or something, then right. Right. your well, heart rate. That would be like the next up. step is then you, someone is holding onto the thing and their heart is then creating the, the visual stimulus in the room. Yeah. And then you sneak up behind them with a cattle prod <laughs> <laughs> to get a strobe light effect. <laughs> well, and the water thing is interesting because I feel like there's probably like a delayed response because right. it's got to get the wave going. So oh, that would yeah. be kind of Yeah, there's sort of a ramp trippy. up. Um, what but museum was this at in D.C.? The Hirshhorn Museum. It's one of the Hirshhorn. Smithsonian uh, nice. sort of museums. Really but cool. Spell it, Mike. Again, I think one, one of the things, though, that I did want to sort of uh, hit on IT. was often will people will nice. 
we'll find like for people that are making practical things, which is most of what we make, you know, furniture pieces and stuff like that. I think it's uh, uh, it's often hard for woodworkers and furniture makers to get inspired by art because they're so disrupted by the the lack of practicality in it. But I think it's like, you know, you can still take one little element of that and then say that's the idea, take that idea totally separate, and then what would that idea mean to a functional piece of furniture? Not saying like, oh, this is a direct translation and now all my furniture has to have a heart rate monitor. Yeah. Well, that's what I like about like the organic carving thing with a glass top is it's it's still that kind of art piece but it's still otherwise it would not function as a table totally you know so it's how we can mesh those kind of forms with what we do oh i've got a question for you on your project uh-huh. so nuge and wood yep stains the wood yes. really often either like really pitch yes. black or a high gloss yep. kind of color Definitely. what are you planning on doing so I will probably do India ink, and then I've cool. got a spray finish. That's all right, a, so we just need to go get some India yeah. ink for yeah. crying out loud. It's all India ink. All the <laughs> it's time. like an arts and crafts store. And then a high-gloss yeah. finish. Michael's? I don't know. I've only ever bought it from Amazon. Okay. And you said you're going to spray a high-gloss finish? Yeah, I got a, a rattle can yeah. spray finish. Very right. cool. Because I think that kind of piano black kind of gloss really wanted to accentuate the open grain of the red oak, but also of the... The, the, the contours of the carving. Right. I love it. I'm excited. Oh, and this week I want to shout out a, 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 another podcast that needs no introduction or needs no promotion, and that is the Joe Rogan podcast or the Joe Rogan experience. And can you he spell had. That? <laughs> <laughs> I can spell I recognize T H A T, Chris. I can spell so many I've words. Heard of him. Oh, the guy from News Radio? Yeah, yeah exactly. The guy from Beer Wagner? So. I think the beauty of Joe Rogan's podcast is he really does let the guests shine. Yeah. Unlike what we did with Johnny. No. He gives them the majority of the microphone time, and that's really awesome. I usually shine. Yeah. (laughs) He's a diamond. Yeah. And he had a recent guest on, a fellow comedian. His name was Andrew Schultz, and he has a really good story, and I don't want to go into it too deeply here, but the long story short of it was the traditional avenues in the comedy industry weren't panning out for him as quickly or as well as he had hoped that they would and so he just decided to take what he does which is stand-up comedy and figure out how that fits into the youtube mold Mm -hmm. as perfectly as possible and so rather than coming out with this long hour-long stand-up special he cut it up into a lot of clips posted those clips onto youtube and kind of just let it do its own thing yeah and I think he's got a really good take on a lot of traditional media and a lot of traditional industry standards that are due for reconsideration. So obviously you don't need to be into comedy to get something out of that podcast. And if you've never listened to it before, I think this is a good one to start with. So check out Joe Rogan with Andrew Schultz. Really good. Yeah. the I listened to that one too. I thought the the two most interesting things that he said were one, how you can basically learn everything you need to learn about producing it by just like asking people who are not comedians. Yeah. So, and everybody's feedback for all the comedy specials that they watch was they didn't finish it. And it's so similar it's like, to okay, like, well, these are too long. Right. And it's similar to what you talk about whenever it's about your videos showing it to people that aren't woodworkers or showing it to people that aren't watching right. the kind of videos in the space. Yeah. You'll get to a make sure bit. that it's like making sense. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was really interesting was that he said that he was talking to his YouTube rep and that like the watch, the, the retention was just insane. Like people going from his video to his video. And so the way he structured it was like, say that the whole thing was like an hour long 
but broken up into like 10 minute segments and there's no real like chronological order that Not you need linear. to see them in. So you basically have now like six different entry points to this one special. So you could have six different areas of interest. That, yeah. That he could have a joke interest. about basketball and people find him through there. You can right. have a yeah. joke about, you know, girls. Not yeah. a lot of callbacks. So exactly. Right. Uh, routine. And, and then, so that's really awesome. Yeah. And then also because people are choosing to continue watching, yeah. they actually watched longer. Yeah. And so I think that parallels with a couple things kind of in our immediate circle. And one of them is that video that Johnny Builds just released. Mm-hmm. The idea of there's already this established genre of office and desk build outs and highlights. And he saw that yep. and hopefully really taps into that and gets a lot of suggested yeah, a lot of crossover. A lot of crossover, basically, with that audience, which is great. Rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yep. But it also makes me think about Ben's series with the Container House. Instead of doing an hour-long episode on HGTV or DIY Network, he's turning it into a YouTube series where even if someone isn't necessarily looking for how to build an entire shipping container home, maybe they find you on the episode where you show people how to cut out doors and windows. Yep. They could be looking for one particular part of the aspect of the whole build out, and then you know that's their entry point to start at square one from there. Yeah, I think the the other thing is so like you know if you just take any one of our project videos, you find it. Hopefully, they think somebody finds it. They think it's cool. They go watch either another one of our projects or somebody else's project. With Ben's, hopefully, what'll happen and what should happen is like even though if there's ends up being 10 videos or whatever, there's 10 entry points, they should all lead back to then the first yep, one right. and watch then the people watch them. And, and philosophically, I think the, the big takeaway is anytime you have a good create, anytime you have a good creative idea and you want to do something, but the powers that be that you think are necessary to get it done, tell you no, tell them to go fuck themselves and right. then do it your own way. I'm doing yeah. it on YouTube. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it was like April's shot build. Like yeah. all of those videos, you could watch any one of them and still get that process, whether yeah. that's putting up siding or installing a mini split or whatever. And if you choose, you can go back and watch the whole series. And, and that, I think, yeah. this type of video leads to that binge watching, which is what really YouTube, that's a metric they really look highly on because it mm-hmm. keeps people on platform. It makes them watch more, and so that's why, like, this comedy special, for example, if it's encouraging them to go back to number one and watch all the way through, that's a that's a real certified banger, if I, if I oh, say man. so myself. <laughs> okay. certified stickers going. Wow. Close it out. That's awesome, guys. <laughs> well, okay, listen, I'm not going to ask for podcast reviews on this episode because I'm going to go to Sticker Mule, and I'm going to get uh-huh. us some stickers printed up so that we can really... Certified banger stickers. Certified yes. bangers. We're going to get some I'll certified sti- banger stickers. Good, Chris, you got your marching orders. But will I, what I will ask is that you follow us on Instagram. You can find Johnny Brook at Crafted Workshop. Yep. You can find Ben Ueda at Benjamin. <laughs> Ueda. And if you're interested in how to spell Ueda, it's U-Y-E-D-A. <laughs> Close. It's IT. Chris is at Four Eyes Furniture, and I am at Modern Builds. Thanks a lot for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. And we'll get Thanks a lot for listening, guys, and we'll let you know how these projects go next week. See ya. Bye. <laughs>